Welcome to the Traffic Masters Show. Each week, Traffic Masters explores the lifeblood of your business, generating traffic, turning visitors into leads, and conversion strategies. Mastering traffic and conversion allows you to grow a business you love and live the life of your dreams. Welcome to the show. Well, welcome everyone to another episode of Traffic Masters here on Blog Talk Radio. I am your co-host, Gina Caudio-Graves, the co-founder of Divisio, U-V-I-S-I-O.com, the all-new affiliate network that helps facilitate good through business. And we have got a fantastic show lined up for everybody. We've got my co-founder in Divisio and co-host here on Traffic Masters, Jack Humphrey, joining us. Hello, Jack. Hello. So I don't know what's up with all our tech stuff, but I am so excited to have you introduce our guest for today. Yes, well, tech is tech. It tries to defeat us, but we cannot be held down, (laughs) except (laughs) for all the little pauses that are going on in my phone right now, because somebody's trying to call through. Uh, We have today Edie Weinstein, who is a colorfully creative journalist, good alliteration, inspiring transformational (laughs) speaker, radio host, licensed social worker, interfaith minister, bliss coach, and author of the Bliss Mistress Guide to Transforming the Ordinary into the Extraordinary. She calls herself an optimistic who sees the world through the eyes of possibility. And you can find out more about Edie at opti-mystical.com. Welcome, Edie. Thank you. I'm glad to be on the show. I do understand being a, a radio host myself, the technical difficulties sometimes occur, and we got to roll with it. <laughs> so I'm here. Yep, we just roll right on along. I mean, we can't do anything else, right? Yep. Well, how are you? So uh, what, what's going on in your world? That was your formal introduction, but what, what gets you out of bed in the morning and excited to go every day? Well, a lot. Um, first of all, I have ideas that occur to me in my sleep. Um, I write articles in my sleep. I have ideas for speaking, for teaching, uh, for, for creating, color, you know, being a colorful creative um, every day. I am never bored. I, I say that I'm frequently fascinated there's always something to do in the world. So that gets me up out of bed. Uh, this morning here, in, I'm in the Philadelphia area, and um, it's gorgeous outside. It's a, it's a beautiful, bright, um, probably like high 70-degree day today. So we're easing into fall. Um, so life gets me excited and gets me out of bed. How about you? Oh, well, on Tuesday, it's uh, the radio show. I get to talk to great people okay. like you every Tuesday. Well, you. So that's awesome. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I, I just got a I got a note from Gina that you just you just interviewed the Dalai Lama. Not just me? I interviewed him in 2008, uh, but it feels like yesterday sometimes. Oh. Uh, that was in 2000, 2008. Okay. But one of my uh, one of the things that I love to do is, is interviewing notables, and I've done it since 1988. Probably I don't know how many two three hundred people over over the last um, few decades, and they're all folks who's books you may have read or whose um, workshops, lectures you may have attended. A lot of the movers and shakers is what I call them. Well, your Dalai Lama beats Mike Gary Vaynerchuk. It feels like we're playing uh, cards. Uh, <coughs> nah. But, yeah, yeah you, wow, you, that you is awesome. That. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, it's what I that's, call my dream. That's really into, cool. Uh, like, yeah, I called it my dream into reality interview. And since this, this show is, is a lot about possibilities 
from what I what I gather. Um, I looked at it as an opportunity to test my say my faith muscles, my manifestation muscles, because I began my work as a journalist in 1988 when my husband and I created a magazine called Visions. It was about holistic health and wellness based in the Philadelphia area, and that's when I cut my teeth on on the interviewing process. And back at that time, I thought, you know, I'd really love to interview the Dalai Lama. And I'm blessed to have a lot of yay-sayers in my life, very few naysayers. And everybody in my life, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, we, we know that someday this is going to happen. So I planted the seeds. I created vision boards with his pictures on them. I wrote questions as if I'd be interviewing him the next day. I talked about it. Um, I went to see him in New Jersey at Rutgers Stadium in two, something like 2005, and I interviewed a lot of the people there about what brought them there. And then I brought home a postcard with his picture on it and put it on my dashboard, and it's still on the dashboard of this card as well. So I was immersed in the experience. And then I did one of the toughest things that anybody can do when they want to create something in their lives. I had to let it go and say, all right, whenever. It's, up, you know, it's out of my hands. And that's when it happened, and that's when a lot of the things happen that we say we want in our lives. When we plant the seeds, when we're good gardeners, good farmers for it, and then we got to just surrender it to whatever the forces are in the universe to bring all this stuff together. So that's how that would happen. Wow. You know, I, I didn't know what maybe the tie-in for the show is. We're very, very loose on this show. We, of course, didn't send you or you didn't send us any questions to ask in particular. And we really like doing that, much to the dismay of some of our um, guests because they like that regimented feel. <laughs> they like to know what's mm-hmm. coming. They don't want to be surprised. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure you've had guests like that, just tons of them. But we like to do it that way because we, we find that a lot of really interesting stuff just happens because it's supposed to, and you don't even know what mm-hmm. it's going to be until it does. I have an yeah. inkling of an idea that um, we do traffic stuff. We talk about mm-hmm. getting traffic to your website, getting attention for your business, online and offline, mm-hmm. things like that. And what you just said about letting it go is something that for some reason, I don't know why, but I've never applied that thought to getting traffic because everybody Mm -hmm. in our industry or in our industry, everybody online, everybody offline who has a website uh, wants to attract the right kind of people to their business and to their message, to their products or services and the good that they do in the world. And when they ask us about that, Gina or I, we get very specific. Well, you can mm-hmm. do this. Do you like social media? Do you like this? And here's the thing over here. Here's a chart you can use. Here's a flow chart. It will show you how every little thing, here's all the stuff that you can do. And it's very regimented. It's very, you know, and it never occurred to me until you just said that about letting it go. I wonder if there's a way, and who better to tell us if there is, than you, uh, that you can let it go traffic-wise. Mm-hmm. That Absolutely. we don't have to we don't have to go to Pinterest and, and put a, a very technical piece together to you know, technically get people over here and, and all of that. I wonder if there's a way to do it. What do you think about that? Absolutely. Um, I can tell you two stories about that that really made a difference for me. I am an avid um, networker. I was born to a father who grew up in South Philadelphia, and I don't know if anybody listening is from this area, but if you remember the movie Rocky, um, to a place in South Philly. And my father knew everybody. He had connections everywhere. And that's hmm. what I do. I'm a connector, and I know people. And, and I have a friend that says, you, you, you know, when he wants to pick my brain, he'll say, you who know everybody? And I say, not yet. 
and you know the six degrees of, of separation concept, uh, you know, that everybody on the planet is separated mm-hmm. by no more than six people. Well, in my life, it's no degrees. I always know somebody. So I would <laughs> use that skill to not only connect people with each other, but to connect myself with the folks that I thought could help me with my work. And as you mentioned, I, I'm, a, I'm kind of a renaissance woman. I do a lot of stuff. And I felt like I had to effort and work and push and, you know, be frantically scrambling to connect with people. So a number of years ago, I met Lisa Nichols. Uh, for those who don't know who she is, she was in the movie The Secret. She was the African-American woman that talked about loving herself and her appearance, even though it was different from a lot of other people in her immediate circles. Mm-hmm. And she is what I call a transformational mover and shaker. And I went to see her in New Jersey a few years ago. <clears throat> and um, I was in the VIP event because I helped to promote the event. That's my other hat. I'm, I'm a PR goddess is what I call myself. So I'm sitting in this room with Lisa and something like 15 other people, and she said to us, I will you know, have time for each one of you to ask me a question, whatever you want, and I'll do my best to answer it. So my question was, I've been doing this work for 30 years. I've earned my chops, you know, in the proverbial, and Oprah still hasn't called. And she gets in my face and she says, you want to know the answer? You really want to know the answer? And I said, sure. And she said, attract, don't pursue. Spend more time doing what you do, being of service, and the right people will find you. She said, I didn't get famous because I was on Oprah or Larry King. I was already known and they found me, so I advise you to do the same thing. And I kind of gave it lip service, and I did it, you know, did it a little bit, but not to the extent that I probably needed to. And I think that was, I don't know if that was before or after the Dalai Lama. Then about a year or so ago, I get a message from a friend um, who I've never met, a Facebook friend, and this person is also a, um, a writer and a, and a very outspoken um, speaker. <laughs> outspoken speaker, if I can put it that way. Mm-hmm. And he said, and he's been watching me for all this time, and he said, um, please don't answer me back. Just hear this in the spirit it was meant. And he basically said the same thing. He said, stop trying to tap, you know, tap dance for attention, which is what I've always done, even as a kid. Not literally, not, you know, but emotionally tap dancing for attention. And he said, you will find your tribe. Keep doing what you're doing. So I blew raspberries at the message, and I said, what do you know? And I thought, you know what? He's right. So I stepped back. And I, I didn't stop putting myself out there, but I let the, um, whatever it was, let the coffee percolate instead of trying to stir up the coffee grounds, which is an interesting um, symbolism because I don't drink coffee, but that's what I was doing. I was trying to stir up the coffee grounds and get it to, you know, to cook when I wasn't letting it. So do what you need to do. Do what you do best. Plant the seeds. Put your feelers out there. Let people know that you're there, and then step back and let it cook. So I, I guess that's the best advice I can give around that. Awesome. It's too bad that we have 45 minutes to go because you just totally nailed it. You can drop the uh, mic and walk off the stage if you'd like. No, I don't think please. so. I'm a, you know, my mother <laughs> used to tell me that I was, um, you know, that I started talking at six months and I haven't stopped since. So we could go on for hours. So I'm fine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> well, I would too, but Gina always stops me at the top of the hour. It's, it's terribly frustrating, but we all, uh, I guess we have this constraint with time and blog talk radio. Yeah. They don't understand that we could go on for hours. Mm-hmm. Well, that, that's really cool. And so that is kind of neat because when we're, you know, uh, there are a lot of people that publish on how to get 
uh, attention and how to get, like you said, find you know have your tribe find you and and uh, it, it's it's always very technical stuff and you can really get lost in that world. Now that there's a new um, tool that launches every 5.6 seconds on the web, the latest one is Blab. The one before that was Periscope. The one before that was take your pick, Facebook or whatever. And people really tend to begin to obsess on that. They've got their product or their service, and they're ready to go, and they're very energetically pursuing um, the next step. And we all tend to believe, I think, at least at some point in the beginning, um, and I've seen people that still are doing this that I've known for a decade and a half um, doing this kind of stuff. They're still... Like you said, again, tap dancing for attention. And wow, what a, what a message to be able to tell people to just let go. And mm-hmm. I always, and Gina does too, we always talk about leverage. And it's like, wait, don't try to create a brand new audience out of the same people. Everybody yeah. is already in a part of one and most often many different audiences. And mm-hmm. for you to want to go and break them out of the herd that they're already in and put them in your own audience it's kind of nuts when they're already wrapped with attention to someone else, on someone else who's already uh, like a Larry King, you know, or, or mm-hmm. somebody who's already commands an audience, has built the loyalty and everything else. And if you're really serving, you just want to go and leverage into that spot. And then all that audience will, will delightfully turn their heads in your direction because Larry King said, you're okay, you must be okay. And that just skipped you ahead of everything that I would know how to do on a technical basis, do this, publish like this every day, get out on social media, do that. That skips you ahead of at least a year or more in some cases, depending on how big a leverage that you use of having to do all of that stuff. And then all of a sudden you have these neat little stories that pop up like, this person came out of nowhere. This person was, it was an overnight success story. It was because nobody really did know them the day before, no matter how mm-hmm. hard they worked you know, nobody knew them, but then all of a sudden they show up on someone's radar, a really big radar in front of a really big audience, and everybody's like, wow, you just popped on the scene. I like those well, kinds I, of things. Well, you know what I find is, the, you know, being an overnight success after 20 years, because you look at Oprah. She wasn't always Oprah, you know. I mean, I'll be honest with was her name, mm-hmm. but she wasn't a household name. I wrote an article a couple of years ago, which I'll send over to you, called Be Your Own Oprah. And um, it's the idea that we don't, you know, as much as we see people like her, the success stories as being icons, and I used to, um, not that I don't respect her, which I tremendously do, for what she's created and what she's sustained and how she's made a difference in the world, but we don't need to look to people, you know, put them on pedestals, because pedestals are for statues. People fall off pedestals all the time. So I look at the folks who I admire, and they're the self-made people. And they're not only self-made, but they're, they're, and they're not just go-getters, they're go-givers. They're the ones that give back or pay it forward, however you want to put that. So that's what I aspire to do. That's what helps me to feel more successful is when I feel like I can be of support to other people. And I like win-win scenarios. You know, when we talk about networking and, and bringing people to your work, my wise father used to say one hand washes the other, that when we're of mutual support, then we're stronger together. We can become that greater force for good in the world when we support each other. Well, I have to say that's probably Gina's cue, the greater force for good in the world. Gina, yeah. I know you have something <laughs> to say about that. <laughs> hi, Gina. Well, hi there. Isn't that what it's always about for us, Jack? 
Oh, yeah. On the front page yeah. of directionsuniversity.com, Edie, we have a Tony Robbins quote, and it's one of my favorite, favorite quotes. The key and the secret to earning more is really, really simple. To do more, be more, serve more, and you will have all the wealth you could ever want. Mm-hmm. And that's been I believe that. my personal mission is to really help business owners to understand that by going out and really serving more, doing good in the world, you mm-hmm. really are going to build a much stronger, much more profitable business than any amount of selling tactics. So get mm-hmm. out of the selling and get into the serving. It's pretty oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. And you know the saying that people do business with those they know, like, and trust. I don't know who, who coined that phrase, but I think it's brilliant that all business, for me at least, is about creating relationships and knowing that people can trust that what I'm offering them or what you're offering them or anybody on this call who's you know, not a conscious, and they call it a conscious entrepreneur, because there are plenty of business people out there. There are plenty of people doing and making and having and pushing and efforting, and I get exhausted just saying those words. But how many people actually connect with, relate to folks that, they, that they're in business with together, whether you ever meet them or not? So it's, for me, it's about the head and the heart connected when I, when I do the work that I do in the world, and I'm guessing for the two of you as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're, we're actually uh, working on, a, on a, uh, um, a commerce engine that helps drive that whole do-good-in-the-world thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, and and really get it so that we're attracting people who are who want to wear the good they do in the world on their sleeve rather than on the back page of their site that says two percent of proceeds go to such and such or mm-hmm. here's the good stuff we do in the world. It's almost as if we evolved a little bit there for a minute, like that was not not shameful or we were ashamed of it. We, we just weren't proud of it enough. And we never really thought that there would be a connection between what our customers thought and what our peers and our associates thought about us and, and the kinds of peers, associates, and customers that we attracted by sharing that information. It was always back page or six page news and never really out front. And um, we're actually working on a, a platform that's going to help um, people really make that part of their business. And it is part of their business, but make it part of how you understand that working with this business is going to do not only whatever the business does for you or for others, but for the for the world, for its part of doing good in the world. Mm-hmm. And so that's really exciting. That's what the whole Divisio platform is about. So Wonderful. we're kindred spirits here. Sounds good. They're everywhere. Kindred spirits are everywhere. <laughs> we are. I think there's a lot more. And as we've had these conversations, with people who, if I'd interviewed them 10 years ago, the conversation would have probably stayed right on the technical, what is it that you do, and, and uh, you know, we would just never venture out, outside of that to get to know people, um, you know, because that was just the way we did it in those days. <laughs> that, that's the way most people that were doing interviews, it's like, well, everybody's going to want to hear about this person, exactly what they're doing in business only, in my niche, it would be business, and and uh, how they're growing their business and all that. Now our conversations are radically different. We start talking about that, but it doesn't mean anything to us or our guests unless we talk about the good that mm-hmm. comes of it. 
for, right. for, for in a lot of different angles, not just charitable, but all kinds of things. We can't even have a conversation now without that being mm-hmm. a significant portion of it. Yeah. Well, I see myself and I see everybody that I'm involved with as people, not numbers. And math was not my strong suit anyway. <laughs> you know, writing English, <laughs> you know, <clears throat> that's that's more, I'm, I'm a communicator in, in that way. And I do see that, that as a as difference. Um, to me, I mean, I said I'm never bored. That to me is boring. You know, I know numbers are important and we need to know, uh, you know, I have a friend that tells me I need to know my analytics on my Facebook page and how many people are responding to the different articles and the different posts that I write. And I say, yeah, that's nice. And for me, it's about results. Um, one of the cool things about the work that I do and, and what you're both doing too is that you never know on any given day who you're going to connect with. As of yesterday, I had no coming. Just to kind of a disclosure thing, folks who are listening to this, I jumped on the show yesterday. <laughs> I said, my friend Jan Riley said, "Are you, in, you know, is there somebody out there who who has time tomorrow to be interviewed on this wonderful show?" And I said, "Oh, me, me, me," and it happened. I didn't know you wonderful people existed yesterday. Here I am on your show. So I'm honored. Um, you know, we are so connected without even knowing what's going on behind the scenes. And that's part of, I think, bringing traffic to your work as well. You remind me of a, a story that I, I tell uh, every chance that I get because it's really when you said you didn't, you, you don't know as much about analytics as you, as you feel like you should or people tell you you should. Um, I interviewed, uh, before Huffington Post became the biggest blog in the world, one of the biggest blogs in the world was Deuce.com. And uh, I, Heather, was the, Heather Armstrong is the author of that, and she would mm-hmm. regularly get like 2,000, 2,500, even 3,000 comments on her blog posts, just one post. It would just turn into this gigantic, I'd never seen anything before like it or after. In fact, the Huffington Post doesn't even generate that level of commentary on a regular basis. And um, so it, it's funny, uh, that's when I was calling people up and interviewing them about the, the, the marketing stuff and the technical stuff and everything. That's what it was. It was called Website Chats. sounded a lot more casual than I actually made it, and I unintentionally made it. So forced on, on uh, just the technique and tactics and strategy and, and all of that stuff. Um, and most of the people that I was interviewing were fine with that. Except when I got Heather on, I was a little bit starstruck because she was just massive and just really, really successful and, and just had a huge, huge, huge audience. And so I was really excited to interview her, and I started talking about my regular stuff. I was like, back then we used to talk about PageRank all the time. We don't anymore, but I was like, so you have a PageRank 6 blog. Now tell me more. And she's like, real quiet, and I can't figure out what, what's the deal. Everybody, oh, she doesn't know what PageRank is. <laughs> Like you could be that big and not know what pay drink is, and then I was, I was like, okay, well, I kind of steered it away from that, and I then went to another technical thing. I'm like, you, so you don't have an opt-in form on the right side of your, <laughs> and and she's just she keeps getting perplexed by my questions. She doesn't understand. She's so serving her audience, and she's so doing the thing that she does in the world, and she's so unaware. She's not taking a selfie the whole time that she's doing it. Am I doing this right? Am I doing that right? Should I be on analytics? Should I? She just had no clue. Half the questions until I realized I need to stop asking these questions because she's successful despite all of this stuff. The giant, giant lesson that keeps being given uh, from that interview because I keep being able to tell this story is, and I think I'm supposed to because I keep getting prompted, but 
it's just amazing how people who are really just focused on doing the thing that they came here to do, that, that business, that service, that whatever it is that they're doing, if they're really, really in their element, they can be people who don't know as much as they should about Google Analytics or that people say that they should about Google or, or HTML or their site or social media tactics or any of that stuff. And, they can, and I've found so many people since, and I'm like, what is this? Is she rare in the sense that she might be the only one? Or are there more people like this? And I changed my whole show format to go and seek out these kinds of people, and I found them everywhere. The ones in, in today's allegory would be the kids that get on YouTube that have these really huge YouTube channels that have absolutely no marketing experience whatsoever, yet they have bigger channels than people who are marketing firms who do marketing for other people who are supposed to know everything. And these kids, you know, and I just think that's a really fascinating topic. It really lends well to the idea that going out and doing what you do and, you know, and really being completely absorbed in it, you can, you can skip all of this other stuff, all of these courses and tactics and everything else, and still be very, very successful if you find yourself really, really, truly in your element. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I do. Um, and I just found uh, Heather's website. One of the magical things about um, modern technology is that you mention somebody's name, you can find them immediately. And I found Deuce. And just mm-hmm. for folks who didn't know, the reason why it's called that is that she mispronounced the word dude. So that's how it came out to be Deuce, D-O-O-C-E. So it's Deuce.com, and she looks fascinating. So I want to, I want to take some time later to look at her website. But I, I do agree with that. But um, you didn't use this term, but a friend of mine um, named Teresa DeGrobois calls it um, being an influencer, that um, if you if, – and this ties in with relationship marketing – that if there's somebody whose work that you admire, you share that information with somebody else, you've influenced that person to check out your friend. Um, so mm-hmm. if Larry King or Oprah endorses somebody, then all of a sudden people want to know, who is this person? What are they about? Every one of us can be that kind of influencer. I tell the people in my life that if I love you and I love your work, then I am going to be your biggest cheerleader. And I encourage people to find cheerleaders in their lives and to be a cheerleader for somebody else. So, uh, you know, that, that connection that we have with each other, if you know somebody that's got a talent that's not well-known yet, support them. Be the wind beneath their wings. Get them out there. Um, but also, don't be shy. And this is a learning part of my cutting ed- growing edge and learning curve, is don't be shy about asking for that for yourself as well. Because if you've got a talent or a skill, it's not doing the world any good if you keep it hidden. Right, exactly. And there's so much going on in everyone's lives. It doesn't mean that, you know, if you if you find yourself in a crowd of of very supportive people around you and um, peers and and people who you, who have bigger audiences or bigger things than you do that you, you look up to and admire and go, wow, I I really want to make that kind of an impact in the world someday. And I'm really really excited if that person's you know, points any traffic in my direction, any any eyeballs in my direction. That would be great, or that was great when it happened. But it, it's it's all it all has to happen uh, at the right time too. Like things have to line up. Everything is so busy now. Like as soon as you're done here, you'll go and be busy doing your thing. 
which you love to do, right? Whatever mm-hmm. that next thing is on your list of things to do today, you're going to be off doing that. So there's a right time and a wrong time to approach people, but there's, I'm not about to give anybody a list of things to or not to do because it would be completely irrelevant. What I mean by a right time or a wrong time is whether it's forced or whether it just happens. And that the only thing that you really have to do is put yourself in a place where you're going to be lucky more often than, than you normally would. And then you have to still allow the thing to happen. You know? And you just being out there doing stuff, being really busy, Jan being out really being busy, needing to get a guest at the last minute for the show, uh, you couldn't have planned that. There's no formula for that. There's no course that you can take that would tell you you need to uh, you know, get a last-minute guest in this way. You j- it just, she's out there looking, and she's got grit. She's already built uh, a really great network of people she follows, mm-hmm. and she's in a bunch of good groups and everything. She's put herself in a situation where she can get lucky more often than a person who wouldn't do those things. Mm-hmm. And we, how we got lucky is we found you. And oh, and, uh, and you feel the same. Yeah, and you feel the yeah. same way. It's like, what? I didn't even know you guys yesterday, and here we are talking about all this stuff. It's really great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, there's it's a lot you just can't write about. You can't make a formula or, or um, an operation manual out of this stuff. And there really isn't any need to. And it actually makes you feel me anyway a lot more free to be me to do what I do instead of burying my head in the books and looking over lists and, and wondering if I did that last thing right and just going for it. I think that's really cool. I think that's the message of the day, obviously, <laughs> if we yeah, keep talking absolutely. about it. I mean, if, yeah, if there's a takeaway from this interview, it would be that, that we never know what seeds we plant today that are going to come to fruition tomorrow. I think that you know a lot of things are happening behind the scenes that we may not be aware of. Now, I don't tell anybody what to believe spiritually, but I do have a spiritual practice that guides me. And whether you call it God, spirit, love, you know, happiness, whatever, whatever it is, whatever your <clears throat> the God of your understanding is, know that something is working behind the scenes in your favor. That you know, people say, you know, why does this happen? You know, why is this happening against me? I think everything happens for us, not against us. Even the challenges that we have, and <clears throat> every everyone that's listening to this call has had changes and challenges in their lives. In 1992, I experienced what I called my um, um, year from hell. Um, in 1990, my husband and I had taken our magazine, moved down to South Florida. My parents were there. Uh, we thought we could create a second regional edition of our publication called Visions. And in that year, I had an ectopic pregnancy, which meant the baby developed in the fallopian tube and it ruptured, and I almost hemorrhaged to death. My husband was diagnosed with hepatitis C. That was in um, the ectopic pregnancy was in March. Michael's diagnosis was in May, and in August of that year, we lost our home to Hurricane Andrew in Florida, which is where we had bought our first house. So we moved back up north and recreated our lives up here. And then six years later, he died. So I've had life stuff happen, like everybody, but I knew I had a choice. I could succumb to it, or I could overcome it. I could say, "All right, how am I going to learn from this? What am I going to do?" So because I had, and I was also working full-time, when we moved back up here, I was a social worker. That's what my degree is in. And um, I used the techniques. I used what I learned from all of these amazing people that I had interviewed over the years to do what I do now. So from whatever um, residue exists, from whatever challenges you've had, you can create something new. Because, you know, you you could say it's poop or it's fertilizer. 
and I chose to see it as fertilizer. So let whatever <laughs> like challenges you face. Thank you. I mean, I was going to use the S word, but I didn't know Blog Talk would censor it, so I didn't say it. <laughs> you know. So, we were all um, thinking it. Okay, yeah, you know what I mean. So, <laughs> excuse me. Um, you know, you can fertilize your dreams with with the mess from whatever has happened in your life, or you can muck around in it. The choice is totally yours. So, look at your challenges. Let them be the exercise equipment that strengthens you. Let that bring your business to you. Because one of the things that I found is that people appreciate authenticity. They don't want to hear the, you know, the, the, the sad, you know, the sob story, but they want to hear how you made it through the pain and the challenges. And you look at a lot of the, the reality shows, which I think are over the top, but the reality shows are the talk shows. And the people that I most admire are the ones who said, yeah, I went through this, but here's how I got through it. And here's how I moved on in my life. And that's going to attract people to your work as well. When they know that you are raw and real and that you, you know, sweat bullets sometimes. I mean, I had, I've been a speaker for 30 years, and I had stage fright um, about a month ago when I was going to be doing a, a storytelling event on stage in New York City. And my friends would say, wait a minute, why are you nervous? You know what you're doing. And I said, yeah, but it's New York City. And they said, it doesn't matter. You got this. So for those of you who are listening, whatever challenges you're facing, you got this. You can do this. Nice. Yeah. You know, I think I'm, Jan's got a question, uh, but I, just to follow up here really quick, I think a lot of people, let me just say that I uh, have often heard that advice, you can do this, and, mm-hmm. and, and something, something of a lizard brain in the back of my head is thinking, oh, there's doing involved. Okay, so now I need mm-hmm. a plan. Now I need to do, 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 and, uh, you know, i got to put everything in order. And when things don't go exactly the way I I want them to when I get into a state like that, I now am realizing that there was already a plan and that mm-hmm. you can do this meant it was it was doing you. And mm-hmm. when you run up, a, so you had your little plan, it didn't conform to what was already planned for you, and that's where the strife happens. That's where, you know, you can either call it fertilizer or poop because right. y- you run into a wall that was put there by the plan that was already there for you in the first place. Not that it was destiny or anything, but there was something out there, like you said, conspiring for me. And then I was like, well, somebody said, I can do it. I can be anything. I can do this. So that meant to me, which I think is a mistake, and I always pause myself now and make sure that that's not the understanding that I've come to, that I need to lay out a plan, that it's all up to me, that it's only on the sweat of my own brow I'm going to be able to get this done. And here's the plan. Here's how I'm going to do it. And and. You know, often I found that my plan sucked compared to the one that I found out <laughs> hindsight was already laid out for me. It yeah. was a total failure. Yeah. It was going to be bad. But when I hit that wall, it was the worst thing ever. It was like, wait, they said I could do this. And here I am trying to do it. I'm working myself like a dog. I'm doing all the stuff that I think I'm supposed to be doing. And then I hit this wall. But the universe isn't fair. Life sucks. I don't understand why this would happen to me. And then... Then you get through it somehow, uh, you muddle through, and then you look back and go, holy crap, that wall was the best thing that ever happened to me. That mm-hmm. turned me in a direction I needed to go that I was already going, and I was veering off course. That wall was telling me that I was veering off course. Mm-hmm. It's kind of how I am elaborating on what you said, but it, you're just hitting really uh, some hot spots today. Oh, absolutely. And And what I found is that I, you know, I thought I had to do it all myself, and I don't. 
find partners, find people that can help you, whether you call them joint venture partners or accountability partners, cheerleaders, friends that are there for you. Um, find people to work with because no one, no man, no woman is island. And there are no completely self-made people. I have a friend that, that referred to me as a self-made, I don't even know what the, the exact term was, and I thought, no, not exactly, because I didn't do it all by myself. I have wonderful, loving, supportive cheerleaders in my life, you know, family, friends, uh, people behind the scenes. And, you know, we don't have to do it all ourselves because that can get really exhausting. And climbing uphill and cl- having a bag of rocks on your shoulders, you know, because I did that for so long. I thought I had to do it all. And it resulted, and you don't know this about me, but it resulted in a heart attack. Um, a little more than a year ago, um, I had a heart attack because I was trying to do it all myself. And you can't. Mm-hmm. So I think that's really helpful to know that. And there are times when I would throw myself a pity party, and I still do occasionally. And I only stay a little while when I realize I'm the only guest there. So realize that, <laughs> you know, that, that you no, can feel sorry for yourself. What's that? Let me chime in for a minute, Jack. Sure. And this is something that we do all the time. I love this con- this part of the conversation. Anything that you need, whether it's in life or business, usually it exists already. It's just yep. something that you don't have already. Somebody else does. And by having those cheerleaders around you and people that you can collaborate with, go and identify the things that you think you need or want and find ways of getting them to bring all that they've already got of that thing into your life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It works awesome, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. And you just nailed it, Jimmy. You said that um, everything you want already exists. I really believe that and I teach people that, that it that. If I have an idea or you have an idea, it didn't come out of nowhere. It's because whatever it is is already there in some form. And it doesn't mean that you have to exactly model it after someone else, but you can look at success models. You can look at people who have, in quotes, made it and ask yourself, okay, what got them there? And I also encourage people to pick the brains of successful people. How did you get there? What obstacles did you encounter? How did you overcome them? Who were your supports? Uh, people are, are really open, I found, to answer those questions because it helps them feel good to know that they can support you. So find a mentor. Um, I have somebody in my life, um, her name is Yvonne Kay, and she's been my mentor for 25 or so years. And she's been a model for me of overcoming all kinds of poop. And she's that's a word. She's a thriver. Now the theme of the show today was how to be a thriving artist, and thrive is one of my favorite words because you can look at the things that happen in our lives, and we can say, oh, I'm a victim of circumstance, people, the economy, the weather, God, whatever it is. And yes, there are truly people who are victimized by others. People, Uh, you know, for years I've I've worked with folks who experienced abuse and trauma. Um, you know, in my therapy practice. And I'm not denying anybody's victimization. But there comes a time when we have to say or choose. We don't have to. We can stay in victim mode. But choose to say, do I want to stay in victim mode or do I want to up-level my life into at least survivor mode and say, look what I've survived. And I have so many amazing survivors of all kinds of horrendous things that would make your skin crawl. 
uh, who really moved ahead in their lives and made their lives magical. And then the next level is thrive. When I think of a thriver, it's somebody that, wow, just kind of takes off in their lives and gives back and helps other people. So, number one, I encourage you, if, you, you know, if, you're, if you've experienced any kind of abuse or trauma or major challenges, to see yourself at least as a survivor of them and no longer a victim. Um, and then take it to the next step and, and become a thriver. That, you know, and I look at thrivers as, as um, the people, that, the women that created Mothers Against Drunk Driving or Bill W. who, who created AA or you know, anybody that created any number, Susan G. Coleman Foundation. You know, um, I have friends in this area who created an organization called Sarah's Smiles because her daughter died of cancer. So this is an organization in the Philadelphia area that, that works with children in um, oncology hospitals. So people can thrive beyond what they're doing, you know, what they've had in their lives. And then they can take it the next step further and be a thriver in their business. You've heard the term starving artist, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm, okay. So what does I, that I mean was, to you? I was a starving artist. <laughs> okay. So when you were a starving artist, how did you feel about yourself and about your life? Actually, I uh, romanticize it quite a bit, so I'll try to be ah. as honest as I can uh, yeah, looking can. back. I don't feel um, like a lot of people do when they hear the term starving artist about the way I felt. I, you know, money was always a thing in the room. It was always there. Money was an issue. And, uh, but, man, did I thrive. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, I, the starving artist thing is something that um, I try to get back to to this day, that feeling. I, I try to go back to that. A lot of people look at it and go, what? starving artist, yicky. But uh, no, I actually it was one of the happiest times in my life because I was passionately 100% involved in what I was doing, and I loved it. The music, the mm-hmm. the learning, the passion and everything was just, it was so much more powerful and more relevant to my life than money ever would be that I, I that's, that's what I was. That's the starving artist that I was. Mm-hmm. Well, I think about, I mean, it looks a little different from my perspective as a social worker. A lot of people go into the field because they want to help people. And I saw a T-shirt on Facebook that made me cringe. It said, in it for the outcome, not the income. And I went, you know, I blew raspberries at it. I said, it's possible to serve in the world. It's possible to do good work in the world and still pay your bills. Because, I mean, you and I both know that your utility company doesn't care whether you're a doctor with a six-figure income or whether you're uh, an artist who, you know, who paints pictures on the sidewalk. Your bills are your bills. So when I realized that, I said, okay, how can I take it, how can I change my social work mentality? And how can I take my writers, you know, my, oh, I'm just going to put my words out there and, you know, and, and people pay for it, they do, and if they don't, they don't. I had to pay my bills. And so I realized that if I was a thriving artist, if I, I didn't have to starve for my creativity, for my art, for my craft, whatever mm-hmm. you want to call it, and when we bring money in for what we do well, for our gifts in the world, then we can put more money back out into the world. That when you, know, you live your dream, your passion, when I live mine, when your listeners live theirs, then they can take that and put it back out in the world and recycle it. You know, we, we, you know, we yeah. are, I believe that we all come into this world with gifts. You know, I, you know, yours, like mine, is communication. That you're good at what you do. And you're good at helping people help themselves. And if you couldn't pay your bills, it would be kind of hard for you to do your work. So, exactly. You know, pe- yeah, so people who are listening out there, 
please don't underestimate your impact on the world. And I'm not in any way dissing people who are not making a lot of money for what they do. And it's not about the money. It, is, it isn't about that for me at all. But it's nice to have it. It's nice to be able to pay my bills and to do good work in the world and to give back. And you, know, you can give back without money, but again, your utility company, your mortgage company, your landlord wants to get paid. So why not take the gifts that you have, the talents that you have, and monetize it and find a way to, to support yourself in the world that way. So one of the things that I did last year, and again, this is my spiritual practice and belief, is that I came up with this mantra that you're more than welcome to use. Um, I say, I work for God, and the salary and benefits are out of this world. And when I started doing that, it was amazing what came to me, you know, what opportunities arose. My full-time writing job came to me. I work from home as a writer now. That's, that was my dream. Uh, I see a few clients occasionally. You mentioned the Huffington Post. I write for them. They don't pay me, but it, it looks good on the resume. Um, you know, I write mm-hmm. for, the, for Elephant Journal, Good Men Project, BeliefNet, a number of different magazines. Um, but that enables me, because I'm supported financially with my full-time job, I can do that for fun. You know, you just gave me a new business idea. What's that? I'm going to make a stamp, a little rubber stamp that says it's not about the money specifically to use when you're paying your utility bill. Just to stamp it on there to that cold, uncaring, money, greedy machine, they'll never read it or somebody might get a kick out of it, but it'll make you feel really good. It's not about the money. Now, here's your check. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I can sell 20 of those at least. Oh, God, absolutely, yeah. And that's what's cool, too, is that (laughs) – uh, in my in my world, writing prompts are everywhere. In your world, business ideas are everywhere. So be open to that. Mm-hmm. Keep your heart and your mind open to to ideas as they show up. You know, I see them all over the place. I look at a picture and I say, "Ooh, I can write about that." Or I look at a Facebook post and I say, "Ooh, that's a good article writing prompt uh, or a good topic mm-hmm. for my radio show." Or you know, so yeah, use that as well. Use everything around you as fodder for your you know for your work for your for fueling your passion. I was fantasizing on my walk this morning. I go through a, a, a walk every day that I possibly can. My dog won't let me not do this walk. But yeah. uh, we're walking through the park, and I'm thinking, I'm fantasizing about what it might have been like had I become a wildlife biologist. It was one of my dreams mm. at a time. And, and I was like, ah, ornithology, I don't know how. Your mind just kind of makes connections that you wouldn't on the surface even understand why it's doing it. But I was thinking about birds, and I was like, man, I could, just, I could totally immerse myself in just learning about birds and doing everything I could to help them with habitat and forestry and all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden, in front of me on the path are like five or six different species of birds, a red-headed woodpecker, a whole bunch of LBBs, the little brown birds, that, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, you know, all kinds of soaring birds, uh, turkey vultures, uh, two kestrels. And I'm like, wait a minute, these guys didn't just appear, and I didn't just manifest them. They were here this whole time, and when I turned my thoughts toward them, toward that, that topic, I started to see something that I was completely blanking out on a minute before. They were mm-hmm. always there. Like you said in yep. the beginning of this, it was yep. everything that you need is always there. And uh, it's really weird. I can't believe mm-hmm. how well this day is tying together. Oh, absolutely. I had an experience two experiences recently that I'll, you know, that I'll share with you um, connected with that. Now, they're not directly connected with business, but they're about manifesting and seeing things show up in front of you. Uh, about a week or so ago, I was in a local pharmacy, and I walked in, uh, was walking up to the counter to get a prescription, and I see this Halloween display 
And part of it was the scary clown from the uh, Stephen King movie It uh, that was played by Tim Curry. Now, Tim Curry, um, in my mind, is best known as Frankenfurter from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Have you ever have you ever mm-hmm. seen that movie? Okay. Oh, yeah. He was, yeah. So Tim Curry, you know, outrageous over the top. And I used to go there, um, to go to see it, the midnight show, uh, when I was in college. And I went to see it on South Street in Philadelphia at the TLA. And before the movie, and I'd go in costume with the props and all that. I was really into it. And before you the movie, toast. they would, what's that? You took your toast? My toast, right, you know, the squirt guns, the, um, <laughs> you know, the costume, the newspaper, you know, all that stuff. Yep. <clears throat> so before the movie, they would show these MTV videos, and one of them was Meatloaf. Um, doing Paradise by the Dashboard Light. And Milos, mm-hmm. um, the woman that, that did the video with him is Carla DeVito. And I used to love acting out with my friends, the, you know, the, the, you know the, the video, you know, the song. So when I, got, um, when I got up to the counter, you know, I'm thinking about the movie, I'm thinking about the song, and guess which song is playing on the radio, you know, overhead. And like, ah, no. So yeah. I'm laughing. And the pharmacist says, what are you laughing about? And I tell him the story. So I go home, and I post that on Facebook, and a friend says, did you know that Carla DeVito was married to Robbie Benson, you know, the actor? And I said, no, I didn't know that, but that's pretty cool, because I loved his, his movies when I was a kid, and, um, you, know, you know, and I thought, well, that's a pretty amazing thing. So two days after that, I get an email from a woman who had read one of my face, not Facebook, excuse me, one of my BeliefNet articles a year before, and she's just written a book. And it was related to the topic of my article. And she said, I thought to contact you because I just wrote a book um, called, um, the, the, the article that I wrote was, was about my favorite poets, Rumi and Hafiz. And they're both um, Sufi poets. And their stuff is what I call ecstatic love poetry or love poems to God. So they could be seen two different ways. One could be you know, a spiritual thing. One could be a very sensual thing. So she wrote a book called French Kissing God, and it was in the spirit of their poems. And she said, would you be willing to read it and review it? I said, sure. And she just happened to casually mention who her parents are. Guess who her parents are? Mm. Carla DeVito and Robbie Benson. <laughs> and she had, not seen, she had not seen my post. So I laughed about that one, and, and we've connected, and I've connected with her mom, and I've connected with, you know, with her on Facebook. Okay, fast forward a couple of days ago. Um, now, I'm also a minister. I marry people. And a couple of days ago, I was at a, um, a community um, arts festival in Doylestown, Pennsylvania. And um, I had a, a 4.30 appointment to meet with a couple that I'm going to be marrying in October. So I, I strolled around town for a couple hours, and I'm walking back to my car, and I noticed this very, what I call, striking-looking young man who had these massive shoulders that looked like he had seen a lot of the inside of a gym. And I just kind of noticed him and, you know, noticed he was, you know, how he was dressed. And, you know, and, I, and I'm, I'm the daughter of a gym rat, and I also work out at the gym a lot myself. So I was admiring the way he carried himself, and, you know, and we smiled and nodded at each other. And we were walking past this men's clothing store in town, and um, he started talking to this other man who was waiting for him at the store. So I go to my car, I drive to the house where this couple lives, and when I walk in, she says, oh, he's not here yet, he'll be here shortly. So she and I start talking about the ceremony, and about a half an hour later, in strolls the groom, and guess who the groom is? The young man, man. That I saw on the, the young man that I saw on the street about to walk into the store 
to get fitted for his tuxedo. <laughs> so I believe in what I call cosmic coincidence. So in business, that can happen too. It's not just in your personal life. So do the best you can to welcome those events when they happen in every aspect of your life. And don't just, you know, I, I, years ago I would have, things like that would have happened, I would have heard the Twilight Zone theme in my head. You know, do, 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 do. Mm-hmm. Now it's normal. It happens every day. So be open to it. Be aware of it. Welcome it in your life because it's yours. Claim it. And it's going to enhance your business too. That is so awesome. Well, Thank it's you. a very unusual show today, but I think it's one of our best of the whole year because oh my. It, it comes from a different angle. It comes from, you know, um, I, I, honestly, I'm tired of giving people tips on how to get traffic. I really am. Uh-huh. And I think I need a new thing. I need a new way to talk about it. And, man, this is one of them. This is definitely <laughs> one of them because this will get me out of bed a lot faster next Tuesday when I can ask our un, un, unknowing guest, and it might be Uh-oh. somebody who just doesn't know. Where, so what do you think about just letting it happen, man? You know, just go totally hippie on him and see if he will or she will uh, respond in any way. I mean, it might be yeah. something pretty magical. Yeah, but you know what? It's not just letting it happen. I mean, I've worked hard for this. I've earned my chops. I've been doing this for 30 years. Mm-hmm. I've been doing this work for 30 years. But what I've also found is that I'm learning to speak up for myself. A friend of mine was with me when I had a business call last week. We were walk, taking a walk in a park, and I was negotiating something with someone, um, you know, going back and forth with her about what she was asking, what I was offering, what we could do for each other. And, you know, I talked about the idea of the one hand wash to the other. And my friend admired. She said, wow, you are amazing. And I said, what are you talking about? And she said, you know, you are masterful at the way you negotiated that. And I thought, wow, you know, years ago when my husband and I had the magazine, I was not only a doormat, I was wall-to-wall carpeting. I would let people walk all over me. I would have stuttered and stammered over that whole conversation. I would have felt distinctly uncomfortable, and I thought, look how far you've come. So for those of you Mm -hmm. who are listening who feel wimpy in business, know that you can acknowledge your strengths, that you can stand up. And you don't have to be a hard-as-nails business person. I'm the biggest softie you're ever going to want to (laughs) meet. People will tell you that, that I'm a pushover sometimes, too much so sometimes. But I've learned to stand up for myself. I've learned to say, this works, this doesn't work. So in business, you have the right to set your own agenda, to set your own terms, to decide what works for you and what doesn't. And if you're, if you're a coach, coach your clients that way. If you are somebody in coaching, speak up for yourself. Ask for what your services are worth without stuttering. Ask, know that your time is valuable. Know that you are valuable. So this is nothing cosmic foo-foo. And so this is this is grounded mm-hmm. in my my own experience. So yeah, it's it's a blending of the two worlds. So it's yeah, it's not. Well, yeah, just I, one don't, thing I don't I don't mean to chase anybody away. If I if I uh, say you know let it happen in the context oh, yeah. of what we've talked about today, everybody here knows what that means. But yeah, uh, boy, I see some. You know, you, you try to do something like uh, you, you you're you're struck by something uh, and you and you put a meme out on like Facebook or something. It, and mm-hmm. uh, w- without the context, it looks like, you know, me and people like me are just a bunch of hippies wa- walking around, you know, <laughs> just letting everything yeah. happen. It's not true at all. There is real structure, mm-hmm. but, it's a, it, but it's a different kind of structure than what people are. And so they always go, man, that doesn't work. You can't just sit on your couch. You know, that's the number one thing that anybody will say if they're going to say anything negative at all is sitting on the couch. I don't understand why that became such a big thing, but... Americans are really good at it. I love my couch. You can't just sit, sit on a couch. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, couch. we, we have really nice couches. 
I'm sitting on and we are out of time, time, guys. Talking. Oh no, 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 no. We can't be. We are. <laughs> You're having so much no, fun. This happens every oh, yeah. week. Yeah. I think we oh, learn yeah. our lesson and expand this to a four hour show. I'm oh, telling that you. Would, that'd be great. And Edie, thank, thank you so much <laughs> oh, for joining pleasure. us at the last minute. This has been an awesome interview. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And folks, feel free to be in touch with me through my website, optimistical.com. Excellent. That thank was my next question. Thank you so much, Edie. Oh, my pleasure. This was awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> thank I, I enjoyed you, Dan. It Thanks, Jack, and we will be back same time, same place next week for yet another amazing Traffic Master show. Have a great week, everybody, and remember what we've talked about today. Go out there and serve. It really is the key to earning more. Have a great week, guys. Join us Tuesday at noon Eastern for the next episode of Traffic Masters, from traffic to conversion to business success.